It's Friday, April the 1st, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Biden promises more American oil and Ukraine braces for a new offensive. First, the world in brief. America said it would release around 180 million barrels of oil from its strategic reserves over the next six months to combat high energy prices. It said other countries, quote, are expected to join the plan. Joe Biden, America's president, also called on Congress to make oil companies pay fees on unused wells in an attempt to boost domestic production. Separately, Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, threatened to stop gas deliveries to dozens of, quote, unfriendly countries from Friday unless buyers pay in rubles. Olaf Scholz, Germany's chancellor, called the demand, quote, blackmail and said Germany would not accede to it. Vladimir Zelensky, Ukraine's president, warned that Russia was preparing for a big offensive in his country's eastern Donbass region. Speaking at his nightly wartime address, he cast doubt on Russia's pledge, made during negotiations this week, that it would scale down military operations. Quote, We do not believe anyone. We do not trust any beautiful verbal constructions, he said. Officials said they are sending 45 buses to evacuate civilians from Mariupol, a city in the region. A senior American official said Russia had stepped up air sorties in a number of cities, while Britain's defence ministry said Russia was redeploying forces from Georgia. America imposed sanctions on Russian technology companies and procurement networks that the country has used to evade other sanctions. The 34 organisations and individuals on the new list include, quote, malicious cyber actors and companies that produce hardware and software for Russia's defence sector. Micron, Russia's biggest chipmaker, was among them. Russian troops left Chernobyl and relinquished control of the defunct nuclear plant, according to Ukrainian officials. Most of the soldiers who seized the site last month made for Belarus. Ukraine said the Russians retreated after suffering radiation exposure. The International Atomic Energy Agency said it had seen no evidence for such claims. France's intelligence chief has reportedly been sacked for, quote, failing to master the issues of war, to wit an inability to foresee Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Eric Vidot was a rare voice among his Western intelligence peers in playing down the build-up of hundreds of thousands of Russian troops along the Ukraine border. Other news. Police imposed an overnight curfew in parts of Colombo, Sri Lanka's largest city, after protests against the country's economic crisis became violent. The country is currently subject to rolling electricity blackouts of up to 13 hours a day because the government lacks the foreign exchange reserves to import fuel. A prosecutor in Turkey requested that the murder trial of Jamal Khashoggi, a Saudi journalist, be moved to Saudi Arabia. Khashoggi was killed inside the Saudi consulate in Istanbul in 2018, causing a diplomatic row. But in recent months, Turkey has looked to Saudi Arabia for economic support. 
American stock markets dropped amid concerns about the continuing conflict in Ukraine. The benchmark S&P 500 ended its weakest quarter since the first quarter of 2020, falling by 4.9% over the three months to the end of March. Consumer spending in America grew by just 0.2% in February from the month before, compared with 2.7% in January. The Federal Reserve's preferred inflation measure rose, with prices 6.4% higher in February than a year earlier. And fact of the day. 1,100. The number of manatees that died in Florida last year. The worst on record. And now, here's today's agenda. The cost of war to emerging markets. When Russia invaded Ukraine in late February, the price of critical commodities such as wheat and oil soared. Five weeks on, high prices are causing chaos for emerging economies. High commodity prices are putting upward pressure on already high inflation rates and draining economies of hard currency. That is squeezing households and governments already in difficulties because of the pandemic. The war's effect on commodity supplies may push some 40 million people around the world into extreme poverty. High food bills have shaken investor confidence in Egypt, which imports two-thirds of the wheat it consumes, forcing the country to turn to the IMF for assistance. Sri Lanka, where troops have been deployed to calm restive crowds queuing for fuel, may be close behind. The World Bank estimates that a dozen countries may find themselves unable to service their debts over the next 12 months. And even those which remain solvent can expect slower growth, higher inflation and grumpier citizens. The West and Russia each court India India has lamented the violence in Ukraine while remaining steadfastly neutral. A flurry of diplomatic talks this week are hoping to change that stance. On Thursday, Liz Truss, Britain's Foreign Secretary, visited Delhi to stress, quote, the importance of democracies working closer together. A day earlier, Jens Plutner, a visiting senior German diplomat, delivered a similar message. America, which has also sent an official, has asked India to, quote, stand on the right side of history. It is the Kremlin, however, which could have the final say. On Friday, Sergei Lavrov, Russia's foreign minister, will meet Subramaniam Jaishankar, his Indian counterpart. They will discuss the war, but also how India can avoid the sanctions imposed by the West by paying for Russian oil using a ruble-rupee payment mechanism. America has said such an arrangement would be, quote, deeply disappointing. But with Russia offering oil a discount of $35 per barrel, money may end up talking. China and the European Union The leaders of two of the world's biggest economies will talk past each other at a virtual meeting on Friday. China wants to warm up a frozen investment pact and sign customs agreements. But the other side wants to discuss Ukraine. 
EU leaders are aghast at President Xi Jinping's failure to condemn the invasion of their neighbouring country and possible future member. Instead, China has lauded Russia's quote, efforts to prevent a large-scale humanitarian crisis in Ukraine. The EU plans to warn China not to send arms to Russia or help it evade sanctions. Ukraine is not the only issue souring the relationship. The EU has slapped sanctions on Chinese officials accused of human rights abuses in Xinjiang. China retaliated in kind against EU lawmakers and diplomats. And China is squeezing Lithuania with a trade boycott after it dared allow Taiwan to open a de facto embassy. With so many distractions, don't expect much progress on trade deals. Britain's cost of living crisis heats up. On Friday, the government's cap on the price that energy companies can charge consumers will rise by 54%. That may mean higher bills for around 22 million of Britain's 28 million households. Many will struggle. The Resolution Foundation, a think tank, estimates that 6.3 million families in England will face, quote, fuel stress as they spend more than 10% of their budget on energy, up from around 2 million now. The cap is being lifted to reflect the rising price of gas, which accounts for around 40% of Britain's electricity generation and heats 85% of its homes. Prices have soared in recent months, thanks to increased demand from China and disrupted supplies out of Russia. If prices remain high, the cap could rise again. Ofgem, Britain's energy regulator, is pushing for powers to adjust the price cap more frequently. And pressure is unlikely to ease. Britain wants to decarbonise electricity generation by 2035, which will require expensive investments in gas infrastructure. Consumers are likely to have to pay the price. Hong Kong tries to stem its brain drain. On Friday, Hong Kong lifted a ban it placed in January on flights from nine countries, including America and Britain, when cases of COVID-19 there spiked. Flight bans have been used during the pandemic to prevent infected arrivals spoiling Hong Kong's record of, quote, zero COVID. In February and March, as the territory's own Omicron wave grew, the ban became increasingly questionable. The scientific logic was probably not what inspired the U-turn. Hong Kong is experiencing a brain drain. A draconian security law has frightened many people off. And residents are tired of school closures, long quarantines, and the separation of COVID-positive children from their parents. Nearly 100,000 people left in February alone. Now, some measures are being relaxed, allowing Hong Kongers to travel more easily. But the resumption of flights will hardly foreshadow a reconnection with the world. Non-residents remain excluded from travelling to the territory, and hotel quarantine is still required. Hong Kong's less-than-splendid isolation will continue for some while yet. Daily Quiz 
our baristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Friday. Which warrior, created by Robert E. Howard, was the subject of a 1982 sword and sorcery epic starring Arnold Schwarzenegger? Thursday. Who was the recipient of the first phone call made by Alexander Graham Bell? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Mark Twain. This is the day upon which we are reminded of what we are on the other 364. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.